Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, preseason game number two is upon us. Thursday night, Lambeau Field Packers versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, it's possible that number 12 quarterback Aaron Rodgers could get a little bit of playing time here at the start of this game. Some other factors right. may go into that, but give us the update. You know, it was interesting. So, uh, obviously, you were in the huddle with Rodgers earlier this week. He said it is his intention to play in this game. He wanted The to huddle play at his game. locker, not on the practice Correct. field. Correct, yes. Just to, to clarify. To differentiate that. Yeah. Uh, and, and he said he, w- he really wants to get work in front of the Lambeau Field crowd. And my mind immediately went to the fact that he hasn't played at Lambeau Field since September 28th of last season because then they went on the road for those games. Obviously, he got hurt in Minnesota and then came back in Week 15 at Carolina. So that made me kind of look up the stats a little bit, and I was really surprised when I realized that Rodgers hasn't played a home preseason game since 2014. Uh, Just based on some of the quirks with the schedule, you know, the Packers opened uh, some on the road, or uh, some at home, closed some at home. So typically those second and third games have been the games where he's played. But Mike McCarthy said it's the goal for the Green Bay Packers to get him out there, get him on the field. There are factors that play into this, namely the offensive line and the health there. Right. Can Brian Balaga suit up at right tackle a little more than nine months after tearing his ACL last November? Can uh, you know David Bakhtiari make his way back? Both of those guys look really good in practice the last week and a half since they've returned. So if you can get them on the field... I think the odds, you know, really do increase quite a bit for Rodgers being out there. But as Mike McCarthy also said, you go back two years ago, they played a preseason game too with Rodgers in there and Kyle Murphy, a rookie at the time, going up against Vaughn Miller. So there's a lot of different things they have to consider. But I think everybody would be in agreement that it, for Rodgers, it's in his best interest to at least get some snaps in this contest. Yeah, and I would imagine he would get the the most of his preseason work would come in the third game at Oakland next week. But there have been some instances in other years where that second preseason game, he's played a series, maybe two. We'll have to see how it goes, as you said, the health of the offensive line. If David Bakhtiari, in his recovery from the ankle, if the doctors are saying David Bakhtiari is only going to play six snaps, those might be the only six snaps that Aaron Rodgers plays. And it might, might not even be a whole series if they're driving down. I mean, we don't know necessarily how this is going to go. But there are some other guys that we're kind of hoping maybe we'll see their first preseason action of the year. And some of those guys I'm talking about, Jair Alexander, Jimmy Graham, Aaron Jones, who's back uh, on the practice field from his hamstring injury. The whole Jimmy Graham, Aaron Rodgers thing, I think is the most interesting thing from the offensive side because we've seen what they can do on the practice field. It's definitely coming along. And, you know, you'd like to see them, you know, connect a couple of times against an opponent and whether it happens this week or next week in Oakland. I've often said, Mike, and I know you've read, you've read me, you know, writing this in inbox and what we've talked about it on shows in the past. To me, tight end pound for pound is probably one of the most difficult positions to play in today's NFL. One, because if you're a young guy, you're not getting those reps in college. And two, if you're a veteran that's coming into a new location, it's not always just a snap your fingers and ready, set, go and everything's fine. Joe Philbin kind of talked about that a little bit when he met with the media on Tuesday in that Jimmy Graham's a five-time, six-time All-Pro or Pro Bowl-type player, yeah. Aaron Rodgers, two-time MVP. In isolation, it just seems like the perfect marriage, but 
you know, they need to get their fades together. They need to know how to run the route tree with each other and know what they're going to anticipate. I think Graham has done everything and more that Rodgers could ask of him so far to this point. You and I see his competitiveness in practice every single time he's on the field. There's nobody, I think, on that field, maybe aside from Rodgers himself, that really takes practice as seriously as Jimmy Graham. I mean, every touchdown he scores, it's a touchdown on game day, it almost seems like, and he made a spectacular one-handed grab earlier this week in practice. And those are the kind of plays you look for because it's not just beating your man and winning your route. It's all the other games that go along with that. Jared Cook was able to accomplish that with Rodgers late in the season. At times, Jermichael Finley did it. Now can Jimmy Graham come into this offense and sort of reemerge again as one of the the NFL's top and most feared tight ends in this league? And he feels like this is the place to do it. Yeah, that was quite the uh, the acrobatic catch and emphatic spike of yeah. the ball in the end zone there after that touchdown. He was pretty fired up on that one. What I've seen so far on the practice field from Rodgers and Graham, it seems to me like it didn't take long for the middle of the field, the between the 20 stuff to for them to connect and to really be on the same page. We've seen them hit the crossing routes, the seam routes, those kinds of things, not 100% of the sure. time. It seems like the red zone, the the you know the tight quarters type of stuff in the red zone around the goal line is what has taken some more work and some more reps. And so you'd like to see you know the Packers get down there, say first down from the 15 yard line. Okay, let's throw the fade to Jimmy Graham. Let's see if that get you get that timing down with a with a uh, an opposing defensive back on the field. Did you play Saturday like sixth grade basketball at all? Were you oh, a basketball yeah. player? Yeah, I was yeah. right, and I've always been short. But I always remember in those specific instances, there would always be that one kid that was like 6'2 and is like a 6th or 7th grade <laughs> and just towers over everybody. You yeah. just put him in the middle of the, the court and he just, you know, not quite dunks, but is basically scoring on everybody. Yeah. To me, that's what it kind of looks like a little bit at times with Jimmy Graham, uh, not just in Green Bay, but over the course of his career. And yeah. that he's able to be a presence in the middle of the field because he is as tall as he is, as athletic as he is. I mean, when you factor in his his speed, his uh, vertical jump, everything that, that makes Jimmy Graham who he is, that catch radius is just ginormous. Yeah. And and I think you've seen some of those signs so far. Yes, you know, he is 30-31 now. He's in that, that back, you know, nine of his career is what we always talk about. But you've seen guys like Tony Gonzalez and, and other players around this league be really effective into their 30s. And, you know... The thing that's interesting about Graham is as much as was made of him not maybe having the explosive plays as much in Seattle, very underrated was how efficient and effective he was in the red zone yeah. and how many touchdowns he ended up scoring. I think you've seen a guy evolve. I think you've seen him get smarter. And again, getting into an offense that tailor is a little more tailored to him like it was in New Orleans, I think is ultimately going to make him the player that the Packers think he can still be. Yeah. Moving on to some other players, Jair Alexander, Aaron Jones, a couple other guys I mentioned. We saw Josh Jackson, quite frankly, take advantage of the yeah. fact that Alexander and Kevin King did not play in the opening preseason game, neither did Tremont Williams. And Josh Jackson, you know, lining up in the slot, sometimes on the boundary, really performed quite, quite well, excuse me, and maybe little little bit of a fire under Jair Alexander not in the not in the necessarily the competitive sense but in in the sense of you know hey I, I want I want to get out there I want to I want to 
you know, really get ready for this season. And, and uh, you know, Alexander, another guy that the Packers have lined up in some different spots, he seems pretty comfortable wherever they put him. So now let's see what happens against an opponent. Earlier this week in the locker room, Alexander was asked if there was any feeling of FOMO at all with him not being in that game. Now, FOMO is an acronym that I probably hate more than any other in the in the, really the world right now or the English language. Uh, but, you know, he said while there isn't – he didn't feel like he was missing out on anything – he was motivated to see Josh Jackson have that success and to be like, okay, he did it. I can want to go in there and try to do it too. That's cool. Let's see what I can do. Yeah. What I love the most about Jackson is I think a lot of people pigeonholed him till being a boundary outside cornerback. And that's all he did because as we talked about on uh, the show earlier this week, that's what he did in that one season where he started at Iowa. They didn't move him around. He wasn't a guy that started in the slot and then worked his way to the boundary like Kevin King did during his time at Washington. Yeah. But I don't think you really can say what a guy's really capable of until you see it, unless it's already been shown in the college level to an extent like what Alexander did a little bit at Louisville. I was really impressed by what I saw with Jackson when he pushed yep. inside. I think he can be a press man, boundary cornerback, you know why? Because he looks like a press man boundary cornerback. <laughs> and getting Alexander and his athleticism in this defense now, again, we'll have to make sure everything checks out with the groin injury. But if he's on the field, uh, whether it's on defense, whether it's even on special teams, punt returns potentially with Ron Zook, uh, he has a lot of ability, and, and it's going to be interesting and fun to finally see it kind of get put to work a little bit. Yeah, and potentially some important snaps here in the preseason coming up for Aaron Jones. He's missed some time with a hamstring injury. Devontae Mays is still out with a hamstring injury. We saw Jamal Williams score a touchdown on a swing pass last week against Tennessee, but as we all know, Aaron Jones is going to miss the first two games of the regular season. He needs some work in the preseason. You have to get the other guys ready for weeks one and two, but you also want Aaron Jones to be ready when he's back in week three. It's kind of a delicate balance the Packers have to to uh, to figure out here in terms of the reps and, and the distribution, but uh, I'm interested to see Aaron Jones get back into some game action. Yeah, I am too. I, and out of those three options that you gave, I think he's the one right now I think is probably the most up in the air as far as whether he's on the field against Pittsburgh. But that being said, him getting back into practice week was huge. So regardless of his availability on Thursday night, he plays, he doesn't play. Really want to see him in these next two games. Really try to build up some momentum there so that he has a base when he goes into that break. Unlike before, probably about five, six years ago, players who are going to be placed on the suspended list, they're able to stay with the team now. They can't practice with them. They're not in meetings, but they can use the facilities. They can stay in the rotation, whereas before you basically got shipped off to a training center or something until you were allowed to come back. Yeah. I think that's really going to help Jones a lot. And one other thing just to touch on with Jamal Williams we talk so much about Ty Montgomery and his receiving ability, and rightfully so. Jamal Williams is sneaky good and sneaky mm -hmm. effective as a pass catcher. And I think when you look at him and, and his skill set, I don't know how this is going to shape out. I don't know who's going to get the reps once the regular season starts. But Williams is proficient as a pass blocker, and he's proficient as a ball catcher. So in addition to what he does as a running back, that's ultimately what keeps you in that that plans for being a three-down guy down the line. Yeah, and what I pointed out this week in our insider inbox column that I really liked about that touchdown play of Jamal Williams against Tennessee is he made a guy miss in right. the open field. Sure. 
that was if there was one thing I, that was missing from a very impressive rookie season from Jamal Williams, it was making guys miss. And to see that in the first preseason game, really the first time he catches a pass out of the backfield, I thought that was a really good sign. Absolutely. Um, we got more to talk about, but before we get to that, Wes, a little sponsor business. At home or here in the stands, we all know that Green Bay fans give it their all, and that takes a lot of energy. So grab a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. It's meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup just visit your local supermarket and ask for campbell's chunky soup the official soup partner of the green bay packers okay moving on to some other guys here that we're going to have our eyes on thursday night at lambeau field i mentioned this in our final thoughts video that uh that's on our website that previews the game in a in a much more condensed fashion than we do here <laughs> on unscripted but one thing i i always look for in the preseason, when you see a young player make a play or two in a game, it gives them a headline, it gets them a lot of attention, you know, they're making a bid for a roster spot, all that stuff. What do they do the next game? Can sure. they follow it up? Can they make some plays again? And in that respect, I'm talking about guys like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Jake Kumaro, Kendall Donerson, who had the strip of the running back, created a, a, a turnover there. Reggie Gilbert, you know, did some nice things. So, now it's about following it up. It's 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 about not just being that flash player, you know, who makes that splash play every once in a while, but it's doing that on a consistent basis because that's that's when everybody starts to really notice your performance. That hey, we can count on this guy to maybe make something happen every time we put him out there. Yeah, and Valdez Scantling. There's been a lot of receivers that have come through here uh, in the last five six years. Young guys, you know, trying to make this roster, trying to find roles on this offense. He has a long way to go. I'm not trying to say like he's a finished product. I think he's had some, you know, there was some drops before. There's some obviously the, you know, different things that happen with being a rookie player. But I love his skill set. I, I just, the, the speed and his size. And uh, I know a story was written a few weeks ago about, you know, him working with Randy Moss during the offseason. He's just a guy who takes this incredibly seriously. And, you know, the, the work he put in this offseason, both on and off the field, I think you're seeing some of that translate now. Uh, again, though, much like with Jay Kumaro, too, it is really showing that, okay, you had five catches for 110 yards or whatever it was. Can you have another performance? Maybe not necessarily 110 yards, but can you have another, you know, four catches, 60 yards? Something that just shows the consistency factor right. of it, where you just don't appear and disappear. Uh, Some like, reliability. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for Kumaro, he's in a position, Michael. You know what this is like for an undrafted guy, especially a guy that's coming off the practice squad. There's no room for error. There just isn't. You you have to be able to do it every single practice, every single preseason game. There just isn't a lot of time to take a breath. The thing that's impressive about him is he understands that. He's yeah. been in Cincinnati. He's had a little bit of time in New England. He gets where he's coming from and what he needs to do to show that, you know what, I'm worthy of a spot on the 53-man roster. And last week, finishing that game with that big play, I know he lamented about the plays he felt like he didn't make over the course of the game. But to me, that just screamed the type of player, the type of playmaker that is going to find a way to make something happen. Yeah. And he's done that all throughout the preseason. Yeah, and he knows, as you said, he's got the experience in previous training camps, previous preseasons. He knows he can't just disappear now. Right. He can't just ride on the coattails of a 52-yard touchdown catch. As impressive as it was, great play by both the quarterback and the receiver, Tim Boyle, hitting him right in stride there down the left sideline at Lambeau Field. But... Don't disappear now. Go out and do something more. And getting back to Valdez Scantling just for a second, heard it from two different players, very respected players, obviously, in the locker room. Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers have both said the same thing about number 83. He plays fast. 
And you don't hear that about rookies because rookies are usually right. kind of swimming in the playbook and trying to figure things out and all the thinking slows them down. Both of those guys have been impressed. Not to say that he hasn't made any mental mistakes or, or has been perfect or anything out there, but they've both been impressed with the fact that he plays fast, he gets off the line of scrimmage, and uh, and that's a heck of a start in you know what is not a simple offense. And it seems to me, just watching that first preseason game, he's always looking to make a play. Uh, if it, and if that play is just a, a 10-yard hitch route or something like that, that's what the play is. But it just seems like there's something about him, uh, just watching him even in practice too, that you're only one missed tackle away of something really special happening. Now, he has to work on some of the downfield stuff. Obviously, the route running is something that's going to come with him in time. But uh, in terms of just being able to to show your skill set, I thought that debut against the Titans showed exactly what he was all about. Yeah, I would agree. One other guy I want to talk about here, Wes, before uh, before we call it a show, Devontae Adams. If there was a play, obviously, with the starters or the bulk of the starters in the game last Thursday night, that uh, that was the highlight real play. It was the, uh, the over-the-top throw, Brett Hundley, Malcolm Butler in coverage. You know, I look back at it a couple of times. I, I thought this when I saw it, and then I wanted to confirm it by looking back at the film. But two things really, really stood out to me about that play that illustrate just how good Devontae Adams is. One, he knew exactly where the ball was, and but did not change his route and start fading towards the ball because that allows the defender to get more into the path. He stayed on the path that he was on, knowing that he would sort of catch it over the outside right. shoulder. But by staying on the path he was on, he shielded Butler from having any chance of making a play on the ball. And then the other thing, which is something I've heard from a lot of the receivers, and I've talked to Adams about this too, the technique right at the end, what they call late hands, where he doesn't stick his hands out to catch the ball until the last possible second. Because again, that's a signal to the defensive back as to when the ball is arriving. And it, and when you, lo you look at that play and the two things that he did, in order to in order to make that catch heck of a throw by Brett Hundley but what Devontae Adams did to make that play work and to make it look so smooth and so easy it's just another example of where he is right now in his career compared to a couple of years ago for me uh pound pound for pound to throw that term out again uh, I think Devontae Adams has had the best camp of anybody uh what he's done consistently on a daily basis in practice has been fun to watch. And, and, you know, to be honest with you, I think it surprised some people to some extent that Devontae was out there for that first preseason game considering the 18 players that were scratches of majority yeah. of those guys, healthy starters, they just didn't want to put out there. Adams went out there and he balled out. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it was even the 48-yarder the is going to draw all the attention, but just that first catch for eight yards, I think it was just on a quick stop route, uh, I believe it was, yeah. with, with Brett Hundley to kind of get the drive moving. Yeah, We talk so often, Michael, about – you know, it's about that first series. It's about that first first down. To me, Devontae Adams is just instant energy in that way. And and the one thing I just want to throw out there, I know he's always looked at, at James Jones as a big brother of his. And and those two are incredibly close. They got to spend that 2015 season together. To me, when I see Devontae Adams, I, I see James Jones and I see it taken to another level. I see the accountability, I see the catching, uh, but just the athleticism of Devontae Adams is just through this roof. And and for him to be able to be at this point in his career to work through what he's worked through and now be on the cusp of what appears to be becoming a superstar type uh, player and a, and a huge leader in that locker room, 
I, I just, I'm really excited about it. I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm just excited to see where the trajectory of his career takes him because he's always had that confidence and that mentality. Yeah. And now that the health thing has kind of worked out for him, you're really being able to see his, uh, his star really shine. Yeah, and as Aaron Rodgers pointed out this week, his confidence and his swag, as Rodgers put it, it's, it's all natural. It's yeah, not exactly. It's, it's not manufactured. It's not artificial. It's just who he is. But he also has the drive and the desire to back up the confidence that he naturally has in himself. And that's what I think makes him a special person, a special player. And for those who have, you know, been fortunate enough to, to be at the practice field this summer, if you've gotten a chance to see him like leapfrog the referee, the thing that he does where he jumps over top of the, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, and he does it when nobody's suspecting it. You know, the guy who, the, the, the official who gets jumped over, like has no idea that it's coming. But, uh, but you know, that's At, Devontae. After uh, the, pa- the Packers-Titans preseason game, I tried jumping over a, a garbage can <laughs> in the concourse. Uh, there's video of, of it out there. We're not going to give it to Marvin to play, but uh, let it be known I just didn't quite make it. Oh, Marvin. Marv may have to find that for us, but uh, with that, we're going to sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and of Thursday night's preseason game on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford, at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.